This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, brought to you by 180TAC. Get out there and have some fun. Episode 210, Randy Lusky, backpacking and mountaineering with City Kids. Hi friends, Kurt here. Hey, it's amazing to me that it's already October the 17th. That blows my mind. Fall's been going on for nearly a month now. I don't know if you've noticed this, but if you are out in nature, starting, it depends probably on your latitude, but somewhere in mid-August to late August, there's an energy that suddenly happens, and it's it's the fall energy. The light changes, the sun's at a little different angle, there's a sense of goldenness. I... I sometimes say it almost feels like time is off. You know, you walk outside to get in your car and the light's so different and you say, whoa, and you look at your watch, did I forget something? That feeling, I believe, is part of nature's way of saying, get ready, winter's coming. And I see it all the time with the animals. It's like the, the squirrels get twice as busy trying to collect their nuts, you know? All the animals get a little bit crazier. The bears, they get more aggressive at digging into trash. Or (laughs) Funny enough, we even had a bear. It was so smart. It learned how to open all of our car doors. And where we live, we don't have to lock our cars. You know, crime here is just not an issue up in the mountains. But a bear came through and opened up all of our cars, three different cars, three different car doors open. I walked out to head to work (laughs) and I saw my car door left open and I thought, what on earth? My kids know better than to leave car doors open. And then as I leaned into the car to see what was going on and to close the door, I noticed bear prints, dusty bear prints all over my seats. And the bear had learned from somebody that people leave food in cars. And I don't think he got any food from us, but that's what happens in the fall. Animals know that winter is coming and they get a little bit more aggressive and excited and busy. And I feel that same energy. I wonder if you do too. I'm feeling like I've got to get in that one more really good mountain bike ride before the trails ice up. And so we have fresh snow on the Rockies. They're already white above tree line, but at the lower elevations, everything's still wide open and there's lots of fun left to be had, but I'm feeling that same energy. One more bike ride. I wonder, could I climb one more 14er or maybe I should try to get in a lower elevation backpacking trip before the snow flies. I don't know if that's what's going on in your world, but that's kind of what's going on in mine. And I love it. Fall is such a fun time of the year. In Colorado, I like to refer to it as the golden season because everything turns gold. The grasses in the high plains, they turn gold. The aspen, they turn gold. The light itself turns gold. And as I am driving around, especially morning and evening, beautiful. Everything is gold. El Dorado right here. But let's move on. I wanted to visit with you a little bit about past shows. So we recently aired a show by Dr. Zach Almy, and I loved it. I really believe that Dr. Zach is changing lives for the better. He's changed my life, and I gave my testimony on it. I want to encourage you, though, to comment about the show on iTunes or on our site, adventuresportspodcast.com. It was a different sort of a show because it was health for adventure sports rather than doing adventure sports for adventure sports. And so if you like that kind of a show, let us know. We'll try to get a little bit more of that type of content on the Adventure Sports Podcast. If you feel like you'd rather that we just stick to the Adventure Sports more purely, let us know that too. The feedback is valuable to us. We want to make sure that all of our listeners get content that they want to hear. It's what it's about. It's about you guys. You are valuable to us what you've done to help grow the Adventure Sports Podcast by sharing with your friends about the show. You know, that is so valuable to us, and thank you very, very much. So Jesse did comment about the Dr. Zach episode, and he wanted to throw out a word of caution. He said it seemed to him that Dr. Zach actually was encouraging people to forego chemotherapy to fight cancer. And he said, look out for that. That's dangerous. That would shorten people's lives. 
And I don't know if Dr. Zach would agree with that statement or not. I can say this much. Earlier in the show, Dr. Zach made it very clear. He said, chiropractic care doesn't heal people. And that's kind of a a wild statement for a chiropractor to make. What he said was, people heal people, meaning your own immune system, your own body's innate abilities to heal. That's what makes us well again. And it doesn't really matter what the illness is. That's what he would say. But then he says you can help your body to advance that healing by doing everything in your power to bolster your immune system. And he has a lot of evidence and uh, a lot of accounts of where people did bolster their immune systems by detoxifying their bodies, by changing their diet and their lifestyle, by doing chiropractic as a way to keep the nervous system as functional as possible. I don't think he would ever say that chiropractic care can cure cancer. I think that what he would say is it's amazing what the body can do when everything is working optimally for health. And, you know, for people that have cancer, it's a very, very scary and a very, very significant thing to deal with. And I do not want to trivialize that at all, nor do I want to give medical advice. I'm not a doctor, right? I'm not that. I will say this, making decisions about the right type of care to address any illness, cancer or anything else, it's very personal. And it's something that people must decide for themselves. And I would never tell somebody, do this or don't do that. But hey, let's get all the information out there as much as we can so that people can make informed decisions for their own lives. The stakes are so high with cancer. You have to understand. And, you know, the medical community is still looking for a cure for cancer. Why? Because chemotherapy, surgery, and radiation is not a cure. They know that. That's how we fight cancer now, and those might be the very best treatments for some types of cancer. I don't know. You're going to have to talk to your doctor. You're going to have to do a lot of deep soul searching and personal evaluation. But one thing I do believe is that if we are as healthy as possible, then we maximize our ability to overcome any disease or illness. And I think that's what Dr. Zach was trying to get at with his statements about cancer. He firmly believes that a lot of different types of cancer can be addressed by our own immune systems. Why not? You know, it doesn't mean it's a cure-all. Absolutely not. So anyway, I just wanted to kind of throw that out there. Jesse, thank you so much for your comment. That means a lot to me that you took the time to let us know. Jesse was concerned that maybe that was misguided advice. And uh, so, Jesse, thanks for that. We appreciate your input. And others, let us know, do you like the type of health related shows that we've done for adventure sports or would you prefer for us to stick with interviewing great adventure sports enthusiasts so i'd also like to remind you changing the subject now we will make announcements about your adventure sports related events if you have something going on you want to get the word out we have many thousands of listeners now and we would love to serve the adventure sports community by sharing the word about things that our listeners might enjoy being a part of. So please let us know. You can always email us just by clicking the contact us button on adventuresportspodcast.com. All right. Well, that is all the intro for today. Thanks again so much for listening. You guys rock. You totally rock. Now on with the show. Today, I have Randy Lusky with us, and I've been working to get Randy on the show for, wow, a few months now, I think, Randy. Randy is the founder of City Kids Wilderness Project, and City Kids is a a great program in Washington, D.C., where they take low-income urban youth, is is probably the right way to describe it, and they have a a long-term program with them to help them with their scholastics and a lot of other things, but... It's based on getting kids into the outdoors so they can experience that part of life and open up their perspective and get that encouragement. So, Randy, I'm excited to talk to you about City Kids. We'll get back to that in just a minute. Randy grew up in Maryland, not far from Washington, D.C. He founded City Kids. He now lives in Colorado and spends some time in Wyoming as well. And, Randy, thank you very much for being on the Adventure Sports Podcast. Hey, you're welcome, Kurt. I appreciate the opportunity. Get the word out about the program and 
share some of my experience with working with these uh, fantastic youth. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll talk about the program specifically a little bit later in the in the show, but first let's get to know you a little bit. So, Randy, you said to me that it was exposure to the outdoors through backpacking as a kid that was really formative for you. So, what was that about? Yeah, so it was um there were some times in my uh in my teen years that uh you know, I struggled a little bit with self-esteem and with some of those types of issues and uh it was afforded to me to go on some trips to the uh, Sierra Mountains in California. And, uh, you know, I kind of found some inner strength out there and was able to become a leader amongst my peers. And uh, sort of the positive stuff that I gained from those experiences sort of just continued to build on themselves throughout the rest of my life. So I've, uh, I've always, uh, since then, I've always found great satisfaction in the mountains and um, the outdoors in general. You know, it's funny because... Of course, being the Adventure Sports Podcast, we're always talking to people that are on board with this concept. People that say, yeah, getting outside and connecting with nature, backpacking, you know, canoeing, motorcycle riding, mountain biking, skiing, whatever the sport is, they all believe that it has real benefit. Um, obviously, it had a benefit to you, and you saw a lot of value in it. Do you think there's some people who go out there and they don't have that experience, or do you think there's value for everybody? I think there's value for everybody. I think that there's probably the occasion when someone uh, goes out there in the wrong conditions and it's cold and wet and miserable for them. And but I think that I think on on any level there's a there's value, whether it's uh, you know meditative value, just sort of unplugging and uh, breathing fresh air, or it's uh, achieving some sort of goal that's set for people on on whatever level that is for them. But I I generally believe that. There's value for for anybody that uh, that makes the effort. So you said you grew up in Maryland. So were you in the city there? I was in the suburb, but I was an urban lifestyle. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of uh, expectations growing up in that sort of environment. Um, but there are all sorts of hidden gems around Washington D.C. in terms of uh, places to get outdoors along the uh, Potomac River corridor and and in the Shenandoah and. And areas, but uh, it's one of those things that people don't generally emphasize or think to do in a big urban area. They get caught up in their urban lives. Right. Well, what presented the opportunity for you to get out to the the Sierra and try backpacking? You know, I think it was uh, with some school programs, uh, some outdoor leaders uh, that were at the various schools that I was attending, and they thought, you know, they offered these these backpacking trips and thought that, hey, man, this is a student who, you know. Uh, has something to offer, but maybe it's not, you know, at this point in, in academics and, uh, and I might have a, you know, a program that will speak to that person and, and let them know that they've got more to offer than, you know, their strength as a math student or as an English student. Um, you know, and, um, in my case, my parents were in a great position to be able to afford that additional experience for me. And, uh, yeah, I, uh, I went for it. Uh, you know, I'm kind of a risk taker by nature. Uh, and yeah, I went for I went out there and, and you know, I guess I didn't really know what to expect, but it all sort of just uh, fell into place for me in terms of being out there and making that effort and reaping the rewards of that. Hmm. So that personal experience then probably was part of the reason that you founded City Kids. So tell us how that all ties together. Yeah. So, you know, I, grew up in a, a, an affluent part of Maryland. And uh, obviously, uh, at the time, Washington, D.C. was sort of the tale of two cities. Um, it's changed a lot since then. But, um, you know, I saw a, an opportunity to give back uh, from things that I had, you know, opportunities that I gained so much from and, um, you know, uh, started kind of modestly about 20 years ago, bringing uh, students out to Wyoming and, and uh, building on that program to where we are today. Um, but yeah, it was really just a sense of, you know, as much as national parks, uh, and these outdoor experiences should be, uh, inexpensive and open to our entire country. It's difficult for low income individuals to, to take part in these longer programs that may, um, you know, may not occur in their backyard. So obviously going to Jackson Hole, Wyoming and spending the summer out there is an expensive proposition. Um, and so, you know, there was no program at the time. And, and, uh, and so with the help of a lot of wonderful folks, we've been able to organize this program and, and, uh, really give back to a segment of society that would otherwise be off limits to. 
Well, let's talk specifically about backpacking since, you know, that's kind of how it started for you. How do you think that backpacking helps kids specifically, um, especially urban kids, you know, to to kind of enlarge their lives and expand and perform better in school and all that sort of stuff? I mean, it, it almost seems like a lot of people would say, well, backpacking may not really be connected to scholastics. I mean, what's going on here? What's going on really is a question of uh, confidence building. And, you know, it's also it's also team building. But, uh, you know, to take a student out of their comfort zone and out of their their everyday environment and give them sort of a reset button where they can take on a challenge, which is a big hike uh, and spend the night outdoors. And maybe it's a five day trip um, and all the planning and all that goes. And there's a lot of fear around that. There's a lot of unknown, uh, just like there is in other parts of your life. Um, you come together with a group of people that you might not know that well, uh, you're forced to get along and you're forced to, to work as a team and overcome challenges as a team. So let's uh, take a, a child who thinks they're not going to make it to the top of, uh, I don't know, let's say Bunsen Peak on the way uh, to that campsite that night. That's the big goal for the day. Well, they see uh, they have their own fear that they're not going to be able to make it. And then uh, maybe they find that they're a little stronger than they were and they can make it and actually have some energy left to reach out to another student to help them get to the summit. And as a group, they find that they're able to make it by supporting each other there's a lot of life lessons and a lot of confidence uh, that comes out of that. So do you actually learn new skills with regard to math or English? No, but you learn that, uh, you know, if you keep persevering towards a goal and that if you support the people around you and they turn around and support you back, that there's, that, you know, there's a lot more than you can accomplish than you thought. And I think, uh, I think uh, also that, experiences that are foreign to you that you accumulate over a lifetime. They give you uh, a context to move forward on things that you have some anxiety about. I was able to do this. Therefore I can do that. Right. There's a lot of value in that. You know, personally, when you first went backpacking, go back to your first trip in the Sierra, what kinds of experiences did you have? I mean, was there fear involved for you? Was it really challenging? How did it shape you as a kid? You know, I think I just stood out in that I had, uh, I didn't have that fear. I had, um, I had some, I felt physically strong on those trips and I didn't feel fear. And so I didn't, I wasn't really reacting the same way some of the other students were. And therefore I had some extra capacity to give to those students and Mm. was willing to do that. So I, you know, when you start a big, long backpacking trips, you're kind of, you're not as strong as you will be at the end. I wouldn't say you're weak, but you're not exactly ready to go. And your pack is about as big as it's going to get because you have all your food and everything else in there. And you have students all along the, all taking a break and they can hardly get back up off the trail because their pack is so heavy. Well, I, I turn around and reach out to them and help them up and encourage them. And that just kind of, that kind of thing just built on them, you know, around the campfire that night, the students would say to me, Randy, that was, I really meant a lot to me the way you helped me out today. I appreciate that. And that just kept building on itself for me throughout that three week period. And then I sort of became a leader and I liked the feeling of becoming a leader. And so that I was more positive and more helpful. And that sort of thing just, you know, kind of snowballed to the point where at the end of the trip, I felt like, Hey, I'm really good at this outdoor stuff and I'm helpful to people. And, you know, uh, it just helped shape my attitude going forward. When I left that trip, I wanted to be to put more effort out there to get that positive reinforcement and to continue that. Um, and I find that we see that in our students. Um, you know, they come out with a level of fear. They become a senior member of our community and our family over years of hiking and climbing and canoeing and all these activities. And they take great pride in being, you know, the experienced one and the one that the the younger students come to. And, you know, they bring that back to their communities in terms of their academic performance and their community leadership. Wow, that's cool. So I see on your website here, I'm looking at it, it's uh, citykidsdc.org for our listeners. That's D.C. like District of Columbia, so citykidsdc.org. And it says here the mission, City Kids Wilderness Project is a nonprofit organization founded on the belief that providing enriching life experiences for under-resourced D.C. children can enhance their lives, the lives of their families, and the greater community. And that's what you're talking about here. But 
kind of the principles I really like here, long-term youth engagement. So we're not talking about, oh, it's a summer camp. We get to see these kids for a couple of weeks and then they're gone. You're talking about a commitment to these kids. You have an experiential education program and uh, you work with them on goal setting. And so these are kind of three main pillars of your program, it sounds like. Tell us more about that. Yeah, so in terms of the long-term commitment, um, there's the, the average student uh, comes out four years. There's, there's four standard programs. Um, so boys and girls starting in sixth grade, um, and they come out uh, for about two and a half weeks. And then we see them again back at the camp uh, at the ranch the, the following summer for at least four years. And in, in many cases, it goes well beyond that in that we have a lot of junior staff and staff folks and alumni that come back and, and act as leaders in the program. Um, you know, uh, it takes a lot of effort to raise a child, whether it's your own child or you're making uh, an investment in someone else's child or a specific community of children. Um, and we believe that, you know, a deep long-term investment is the best way to do that. Um, we need to create a safe family environment where people know each other and count on each other. And, um, and it's just, we found that it's very, very effective. And it's uh, nothing against programs that spend, you know, that, that have uh, touched 10,000 kids' lives in small ways. Those are important as well. But I think to make that real change, it takes uh, it takes a long, long time. And so we've always had that belief in quali- uh, quality over quantity, and we stick to that. Um, I would say um, that some of the individuals that have come through the program are so outstanding at, uh, you know, to meet them. We have events where uh, a lot of our community members meet our students and they're continually uh, you know, impressed by the quality. And I think it's, uh, it's like anything. You stick to something that's difficult. You come out the other end five years later as a stronger uh, member of your community and a stronger individual. Your website says here that you're working with about 130 youth currently. Um, good number of kids, but like you're saying, it's not... It's not 10,000 kids you're touching a little. It's 130 kids you're working with over several years. Yeah, that's right. So, um, yeah, we're, you know, we sort of stick to that policy. We're not, uh, we're not anti-growth. We're growing quite a bit within our own organization in terms of the quality and all the different, act, all the different segments of a, of, a, of a youth's life that we want to touch from, you know, summer camp to after school uh, academic support to their transition into university and uh, post high school days. So we're, you know, we're, we're working to make sure that we're as well-rounded and supportive as we, as we can be. And then when we feel like we have all of those numbers and all those areas covered, we, you know, we look to expand the number of kids we can have at camp and, and those kinds of things. But, you know, really creating uh, and supporting one individual, that individual eventually turns into a family member um, and the quality and the goals and the goals, but the quality and the, the values that that students carry forward affects the whole, the whole generation of, of youth that, that, that are attached to them. So uh, I've been at this for 20 years now and we're having uh, young families come back to the ranch um, and tell me, Randy, that they were so affected by city kids that they want to live out west now and they want to raise their family out there and they want to be able to uh, visit environments like Jackson Hole. And, uh, you know, I get, I see pictures of them on Facebook and other places with their young families and they're out camping and hiking and, and uh, sharing the same values. So as, as much as we only have 130 kids at a time, um, because of the intensity of the programming, uh, I think the effect, uh, it trickles down. If that's the right word. It, uh, it, it kind of lives within them and moves forward into the communities that they're creating as, uh, as mothers and fathers. Well, that's fantastic. You know, I am a, a obviously a, a strong believer in what you're talking about here. I know that being in in connect connection with nature over the years, doing adventure sports, it's it's been a very important part of my life. But I also have taken a lot of kids that grew up in the city out into the woods, and whether it was teaching rappelling or backpacking or climbing a fourteener or even going to just week long outdoors experience camps with kids. Uh, to see the transformative power of nature for these kids. Um, I, I know that you've had a lot more experience, Randy, than I have with this, but I think sometimes kids are in a very difficult position. Their home life is tough. 
the the social pressure that they have, you know, in their schools can be really, really tough. It can be a very negative environment. And you see these kids kind of build well, it's it's a it's a self preservation lifestyle is kind of the way I look at it. But for instance, um, they might be plugged into music all the time as a distraction because they need that distraction because real life is so hard. Or they are plugged into a, a small group of kids that may not be positive in their lives, but they find some value in that because of the need for family that they have. And I've seen kids from all sorts of different backgrounds that have built this kind of a facade around their lives just to survive. And then you take them out away from that environment. You plug them into nature, into something that's brand new and different for them. They start dropping those safety mechanisms that they've built up. And I think it can be uh, a shocking experience for a lot of these kids, but in a positive way. And it it seems like you're kind of, you know, taking off the layers of the onion this will drop off and this will drop off. And then they start dealing with issues that they may be ignored for a very long time because they're in nature, they're in a different environment. Have you seen similar ex- um, experiences? Yeah, we do. Uh, we see, we have very similar experiences, especially with our with our youngest students on their first go-round, uh, their first uh, sixth grade summer as a ranger camper. Um, you know, the first week, they come out with fully armored up with all of their um, attitude and their sort of dress code and and all of those uh, defense mechanisms you mentioned. And, um, you know, it uh, it takes a little while to drop all of that. You know, it's a it's a whole new environment. There's no need for uh, protecting yourself in, from a safety standpoint. There's uh, you know, it's a very kind of quiet, safe campus that we have. Um, there's uh, no sort of people moving in and out of it that we don't know that we don't trust. And, you know, the inner city can be, um, or at least the DC inner city can be a dangerous place. And, you know, in some cases, some of that defense mechanism that those students carry is legitimate and real. Um, so they, they don't, uh, they get, get a chance to put some of that away pretty quickly. And then uh, thanks to the fact that we have so much, so many older uh, alumni and sort of tested students, where the kids look up to them now and say, you know, I want to be like Tyree Moore. Or I want to be like, uh, you know, any other number of students. The buy-in's gotten, uh, the, the time frame has shortened quite a bit in the program now that we have those alumni students. But uh, in terms of letting go and, uh, and expressing, um, you know, difficulty and kind of connecting to traumatic experiences that might have occurred at home, some of that happens with us uh you know, during the program, um, we're not a therapeutic program per se. So, um, we generally, um, defer to other, other organizations that we're in contact with to deal with things that might come up and things that might students might say, or might start to feel or internalize or not internalize, but sort of just, you know, they might want to deal with that because they, they feel a little safer in their environment. We deal with a little of that. We do. Um, mm. but I think, uh, the more important part of uh, what you're trying to say is that kids kind of come back to their real self. They sort of come back to their open, uh, curious, uh, sort of, you know, willing to, to take an emotional risk, um, you know, and say uh, something, for instance, like, wow, that's a beautiful mountain range or look how beautiful the sky is this morning or that's, a, you know, I really enjoyed seeing that animal or you don't have to be the tough guy you know it's sort of you and nature and it's simple you know and and you have simple tasks which are around you know your shelter for the night and the food that you're going to consume and the energy that you're going to you know conserve or spend on an activity so it it kind of brings things back to basics Um, it's a great place for kids to be kids and kids to trust themselves and uh and as much as there's fear around the outside. There's nowhere near the fear and pressure that, that you alluded to from, you know, a standard high school environment, I think. Uh, so I think it becomes a great place for exploration and for kind of getting back to basics and sort of rediscovering who you are as a, as a person. Try Paleo Meals to Go freeze-dried backpacking meals. The wholesome gluten-free ingredients follow the Paleo diet, providing you with the lasting energy you require on your adventures. Visit www.paleomealstogo.com and enter TACK25 at checkout to save 25% off your order.
Bentgate Mountaineering, located in Golden, Colorado, has been outfitting backcountry travelers for more than 20 years. Fall is here, but the mountains are still open for great hiking and climbing. Time to break out the hiking boots, rock climbing shoes, and tents. Gear materials and designs are more evolved than ever. From the latest ultralight gear to the tried-and-true classics, Bentgate has the premier brands for climbing, hiking, and camping essentials, including Arcteryx, Hilleberg, Nemo, Western Mountaineering, and many more. Need advice on destinations, getting started, or on fine-tuning your quiver of gear? The Bentgate staff are all passionate adventurers who can give you the data and advice you need. Bentgate is also hosting numerous events and speakers this summer, so please check out their events page at bentgate.com for more information as well as to see their full product selection. I know that the kids that I've worked with, uh, some of them, the outdoors just changed their lives. And you like, like you mentioned, they became devoted to living closer to nature and, and that sort of thing. I think other kids just had some real uh, life-building experiences where they learn more about themselves and they, they realize that the little world that they thought was the world is, is pretty small in comparison to the real world that's out there. And uh, it just really cool stuff. So you have kind of this... This split program, you're going to have to explain it to me because I don't know that much about it, but you've got what's going on in, in Washington, and then you have the ranch in Wyoming. And how do these two things work together? So we, uh, our students are made up of uh, kids coming through our after-school program, which is academically based, um, and it runs four days a week during the school year. Um, we also run a number of uh, weekend trips, which can be anything from biking on the CNO Canal to uh, indoor rock climbing, uh, to a ski trip. And uh, on our leadership level, our third and fourth year kids, they go on uh, sea kayaking trips um, in the Carolinas. So there's a fair amount of offerings on the outdoor side and and on the academic side in Washington. And then we run a summer camp starting in mid-June through the end of August at the Broken Arrow Ranch just south of Jackson Hole uh, every summer for the last uh, 20 summers. So not every kid that's involved with City Kids comes out every year. We bring about 95 kids out to the ranch. Uh, we run four standard uh, camping sessions. Um, and then we have a bunch of add-on programs. A lot of those are around jobs training and around uh, the transition into college. So we have a lot of great partners out in Jackson that take our students in as interns um, and things of that uh, nature. Um, we do everything you could imagine at summer camp from arts and crafts to climbing the Grand Teton. Uh, our, our older students, uh, we have a, a group called the Elite Team, uh, which is third-year campers, boys and girls, and they travel around uh, the sort of Wyoming, Idaho area doing uh, sea kayaking trips and big backpacking trips in the Sawtooth Mountains. So it's really high-adventure um, outdoor activities um, with a real emphasis on community, on, on uh, conflict resolution and on getting to know each other and working as uh, team members and becoming leaders. And um, it's definitely not about becoming the raddest kayaker you can be. It's about becoming the best citizen you can be and uh, making friends and, and also having a good time. We try to have a lot of fun as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, develop that uh, family environment. But uh, we've been lucky to be in Jackson Hole. Uh, it's a really supportive community, and uh, it has so many attributes that we're trying to uh, to introduce the students to: rivers, mountains, big parks with uh, large animals that that you can pretty well count on seeing. Um, and so, yeah, it's been a been a great asset, and it's been a, a fantastic place for me to spend the last. So uh, 20 summers, I have to admit that. 
Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm on your website here. I'm looking at some of the pictures, and wow, it's just gorgeous, breathtaking stuff. And I can imagine, you know, you bring kids that are in the city most of the time, haven't seen nature much at all, but then you bring them out west, and they see the the, the Tetons right there, you know, and you've got nature all around them, and just the beauty of that. That's got to be almost overwhelming. You know, it is pretty overwhelming, and people often ask, you know, Randy, wouldn't it be a little more cost-effective to, uh, say, operate in uh, in the wilderness around uh, D.C. and Maryland? And the answer is it would be more cost-effective. But as you mentioned, the impact of the, the grandeur of the Tetons, uh, it's a real thing. It's something that you, uh, you get off the airplane and you look up. Uh, the airport is right in the middle of the park. The Tetons are right there, and it's just it's uh, overpowering. Um, and it's a, so it's a it's a real feeling and a real um, emotional experience to be amongst that kind of beauty. So um, it is it is a bit overpowering for for a t- for a time for the new students. Um, it's all new. Often the flying uh, is a new experience. The travel out west certainly is a new experience. And then um, things you wouldn't think of the silence at Broken Arrow Ranch at night is a brand new thing for many of our students. Um, the darkness, um, the ability to see the, the stars uh, every night. It's not cloudy. The stars are, you know, you must as well be, uh, you know, 50 miles in on a camping trip. That's what the ranch is kind of like. Mm. It's, you know, um, even the um, the wildlife that lives around the ranch, moose and, and deer and and rabbits and coyotes and things like that, they're, there are animals that you don't see uh, growing up in an urban setting, so that's a foreign thing. Um, it's all it's all new, and that's the that's the idea behind it all. But uh, again, the Jackson Hole setting is uh, is is really a special place, and I think that uh, we're well served by making the effort to get them all the way out there. Yeah, that's cool. I think maybe just moving them that far away from the home environment could be positive too, because they realize, well, this is a really big world, you know. But, you know, part of being in Jackson Hole provides you with opportunities to do things that uh, are big. And one of the things that you've done with a lot of your kids is actually climb Grand Teton. So what are the benefits of that and and what kinds of kids get to do that versus ones who don't? I'm sure it takes extra training and what have you. It does take extra training. Uh, The main – okay, so it starts with with an interest and a willingness to do it. Uh, We take – only our you know fourth and fifth year students uh, that have been through the entire program and that have shown the leadership skills um, and have that confidence in themselves to take on something like the Grand Teton. It takes a it takes a special student and a, a lot of physical ability to get something like like that done. We do do a fair amount of training. Uh, I take part in some of that personally, just climbing other peaks in the area before we do the Grand. You know, we try to to offer it to our male and female students. And so over the last several years, we've been lucky enough to have four slots. Uh, We do it with Exxon Mountain Guides. Uh, They're the best in the business, arguably, out there, have a great reputation. And uh, we have relationships with some fantastic guides there. And, um, yeah, it's been been a very big part of the program in that it creates this this, uh, lofty goal for uh, our younger students to aspire to. Um, they see their the older students accomplish it. We always have sort of a, a pizza party after the climb, and often we'll have uh, members of the park service and, and such come and congratulate our students and, and speak about what it means for uh, diverse members of, of the country to come out and use the parks and do things like climb the Grand Teton, because it's a fairly unique subset of users with city kids are um you don't see a whole lot of african-american uh in the park for instance uh or latinos to kids and then certainly climbing the grand as a group we um we stand out in that respect so uh there's a lot of folks that come around after we've uh accomplished the summit that want to take part in our uh in our celebration um and so it's it's become over the years uh uh you know, a great motivator, uh, and things, uh, activity for younger students to aspire to. Um, it is so difficult to get up that mountain that it, it has a long lasting impression on a student. Uh, we've had some great articles written, uh, recently by one of our grand summiters, uh, about the experience and how, um, pushing through the difficulty and the pain is, 
when you're done with something like that, a lot of these other, oh, whatever seem like difficult challenges, what might be a job interview or expressing yourself on a college application or any of these things that are uh, big hurdles in your life moving forward, uh, uh, they seem uh, more attainable uh, after you've done something like climbing the Grand Teton. So it's, um, it's a great physical accomplishment, but it's a great metaphor uh, moving forward in your life for our students. Oh, yeah. I, I did get to read, Randy, one article that was written by one of your students as she described how challenging it was to get up there. But she also started talking about how she connected with the rest of the students on her team and how they, they became something together that they weren't before. And I love the last thing she says. It sounds like they hit some snow on the way down. She goes, I enjoyed a snow blizzard on way back down the mountain, but at least I was with family. And I think that's really cool because she talked about how they encouraged each other to get up there. And as she enjoyed the summit experience up there, she was like, I, I didn't think I was going to make it. But because of this new family, I was able to. And what a beautiful testimony to what you're doing there. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, that was a special uh, group of kids. And uh, and yeah, you're exactly right. Um, just the, the maturity and the sort of support that those students showed each other, especially in that... Uh, well, on the way up and, and the, at, the, at the times when she was struggling as to whether she wanted to keep going was, uh, you know, it's really from a team building perspective. It's like couldn't have been better. Those are the exact experiences that you never forget in your life and that you, uh, yeah, you would like to see uh, uh, intertwined through your daily life. You know, people encouraging each other and helping each other uh, and then having it benefit the mutual team. I mean, wouldn't that be fantastic? And that's exactly what these students found they weren't just all individual summiters they were um, outstanding youth that helped each other do something difficult um, and I mean it wasn't just a, your average snowstorm on the way down that was we were getting pounded by the snow <laughs> coming uh, you know just flying horizontally and the, we were getting covered with snow and um, you know all four of these urban youth from Washington DC took it like it was just another day and uh, and uh, there was folks from all over the country panicking left and right all around us. <laughs> That's awesome. It was, you know, to get down off that mountain as a group and, and, and celebrate with the rest of the city kids family. It's a, it was a special thing. And, and, uh, and you can see, uh, what it would mean to a younger student to hear a story like that from, a from a senior student, um, and uh, say to themselves, you know, that's not only do I want to get up to the top, but those are the kinds of, uh, sort of core values and, and sort of self-confidence that I want to have going forward. Sure. Well, Randy, for a long time now, one of our favorite questions has been, tell us a story about when something didn't go right. And I know that this summer you guys made the news because something went very wrong on the grand. I wanted to give you an opportunity to speak to that because I know that your program uh, puts safety first and that it's a very important thing for you. And what you just described about Man, the life experience that these kids get by having the opportunity to get up a mountain like the Grand. I mean, it's really important, big stuff, but what happened this summer, that was tough. Would tell our listeners about that. Yeah, so again, we uh, we had four students, um, uh, myself, and two excellent mountain guides uh, to do our annual trip up the Grand, and... Gary Falk was our lead guide, who's become a friend of mine and uh, an important member of the City Kids community in that a lot of our students were friendly with him and looked up to him and appreciated um, his, his belief in their success. Uh, he was a special guy that way. Um, Gary, unfortunately, fell off the grand from the, uh, from the rappel and, and passed away that day. Um, all of our students were saved, myself included. Um, we were right there in the vicinity when the tragedy took place. So I think we'll carry forward, uh, you know, the trauma of that and the loss of Gary. Um, and so it was, it was a very difficult time for us. Um, I'd have to say that our students handled the situation extremely well in that they still had to repel. There was uh, one student had turned back before getting high on the mountain. So there was three of three students left at the rappel. Uh, thankfully there were other Exum guides up there that helped them to, you know, get properly attached and make their own repels. Um, 
But in terms of just their attitude and how they handle it, I was extremely impressed that they were, number one, able to repel down a 160-foot long, sort of partially free repel um, after having witnessed that. And then the strength, their strength, uh, and their trust in us to get down the mountain. Because, of course, getting up the mountain is only half the battle. And the Grand is, uh, shoot, by the time you get down the rappel, you got another 5,000 feet of scrambling and hiking to get out. So I think, you know, lessons learned uh, for our program. Do we, uh, do we back off and do we do things that are perceived to be less dangerous? Uh, you know, we'll debrief for the next three months over that and decide where do we go with that. But I think the answer in the long run will be that we'll still climb the Grand. We'll still do it with the best uh, guides that we can find. Um, we will strive to make sure that uh, our parents – uh, back in Washington, D.C., know as much as they possibly can know about what it means to climb the Grand Teton so that they can make an informed decision as to whether or not they want their children to participate in that. Um, you know, it all comes back to, you know, to risk and to the fact that all of our activities are risky from hiking to horseback riding. I mean, even camping, right? We have, we put the kids in, uh, in pro- close proximity to wildlife. Uh, and how do we uh, how do we measure all that risk, and how do we you know come to understand what 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 is worth doing and what is too risky? It's it's a difficult uh, it's a difficult uh, decisions to make. But um, you know we spend quite a bit of time at City Kids on uh, on our safety protocols and on uh, reeducating ourselves every year and taking part in risk management. Uh, um, opportunities, which, you know, there's a fair amount of them out West. Uh, we send our counselors there and we try to get better at what we're doing every year. Um, I think the same thing could be said for the Exxon mountain guides and their training uh, programs. I think in life accidents happen, whether they're in the mountains or on, uh, on the highways. Um, I think the best thing we can do, and we've learned out of it are this sort of going forward, you know, how do we support somebody that's been through an accident or that's witnessed an accident and, Let's make sure that our that our families back in D.C. know exactly what as, as best they can. Let them, uh, you know, understand what it is uh, their student is engaging in and what are the risks and what are the rewards. So that also means letting them know that, uh, you know, here are these other 10 students that have done it. And, and here's how impactful it's been for them. And again, it's uh, it was a very difficult summer for from my perspective. I mean, along that, because, you know, Gary was such a an outstanding person. And, uh, you know, those types of things could happen. And when they do happen, they happen very fast and they come out of nowhere. What a tough time for you. You know, I, I have to say people have accidents in all walks of life doing all sorts of activities, whether it's climbing a mountain like it was for Gary or driving to the office in their car, you know, walking down the street, things happen. They, it's, it's easy to lose our concentration for just that one critical second. And uh, we all take risks every single day, especially behind the wheel of a car. You know, I think that adventure sports inherently have some degree of risk. That's part of what makes them adventurous. And people work with uh, training and knowledge and equipment and skills to mitigate all of that risk, you know, Randy. Mm. And uh, I, I, I'm going to just step out here because of all my experiences in mountaineering and, you know, I've summited uh, scores and scores of peaks. It can be safer than riding a bicycle. It can be safer than driving a car. It doesn't mean that nothing's ever going to happen. So I know that the tragedy that you guys experienced this summer was tough, but I just want to encourage you and say, listen, people were doing right things. Gary let his guard down for a second and uh, it was tragic no doubt, you know, but I just want to encourage you by saying people get in trouble every day doing any number of different activities. And I think that what you're doing with these kids is so valuable that it's worth continuing on, persevering past this, you know? Yeah, I really appreciate that. Yeah, I I believe that as well. I definitely do. Um, And I think, uh, you know, uh, things that are difficult and things that do uh, create some level of risk whether it's real or perceived, I think that there's a lot of great life lessons that come out of out of those uh, circumstances. I think uh, a lot of people that you know uh, 
participate at a high level in, in some of these activities, that's part of what they're interested in, not the fact that they, um, you know, uh, could potentially be, be injured, but the fact that they want to put the time and training and thought into taking what they see as a, a risky situation and trying to mitigate that risk through their own skill level and their own planning and, uh, and processes. I think there's a, a very positive, uh, you know, outcome from that. Or people feel self-reliant and they feel like, you know, they have some uh, control and uh, that they've committed their own, you know, skill and time to to an effort. And uh, I think that really increases the reward. So I don't see our program shying away from sort of, act, you know, those types of outdoor activities. I think that it's uh, it, it's just important for us to just try to connect as best we can with our uh, the, the, you know, our students and their families to, to just to make sure that they feel a hundred percent informed on what we're doing. Um, but in a, in a way that's really has meaning because it's a little bit difficult to, uh, to tell somebody from an urban Washington DC environment, what it's like to climb the Grand Teton. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, Randy, your program is awesome. I love what you're doing with these kids. I love it that you're introducing people to nature and if people want to find out more information about your program, then uh, how can they find out more? You know, the best place to start is with our website. Um, you know, uh, it's like you said, it's citykidsdc.org. There's a lot of information on there. Um, there's a lot of contact information on there. If you're interested in, in supporting us financially, you can donate over the site. Um, but you can also uh, reach out to any of the staff. We have... Uh, Volunteer opportunities uh, during the school year in in Washington D.C. with the after school program and with the weekend programs. Um, you know, there's uh, some uh, ability to volunteer at the ranch in Jackson Hole. Um, you know, we have very highly qualified counselors, so uh, someone that was interested in doing that would have to bring all the outdoor and youth experience with them. Um, but uh, so there's quite a bit of volunteer experience. Um, and then, you know, uh, introducing us to your friends, folks that you know that are in the outdoors that, uh, that might want to get involved in supporting a program like that, you know, whether it's an outdoor company uh, or another educational uh, organization that, would, that, that might complement our efforts. Um, you know, it, it takes a community to do a good job with a, with a group of kids like that. So we're always interested in meeting new people. And uh, so if you have contacts, uh, we'd love to meet them. Um, and, you know, yeah, just go to the website, make the phone call, uh, write a letter, get involved in any way you can. Um, I think, uh, you know, certainly our board members and also our, um, you know, a lot of our supporters have found that the deeper they get involved with our program, the more it gives back to them and uh, it becomes a uh, certainly for the folks around the ranch and the camp in the summer becomes a big part of their, of their lives and the lives of their children to say, Hey, we've spent a bunch of time amongst this, this other group of, of young Americans and we've gotten a lot out of it. We've given a lot to it. So it's a great thing and a great feeling to, to be involved. So I would say, you know, whatever way you feel comfortable in getting involved, uh, that's the first step to take. And, uh, Right on. So the the website again is citykidsdc.org and we'll put that in the show notes, Randy. So if if you are driving and you can't uh, write that down, then you can always go to adventuresportspodcast.com and the information will be there under this episode. And uh, Randy, it's been a real pleasure to visit with you today. Will you close us out here by just sharing a story, something that you found inspirational or encouraging? Yeah, sure. Um, uh, on this last trip up the Grand Teton, we had a student uh, who is a football player. His name is Dion. He's a fantastic kid, uh, senior camper at City Kids. Um, and, you know, uh, to take a look at Dion and his football uh, sort of frame, he's he, he not your typical uh, mountain climber look. Um, he had a, uh, he's got a real drive and a real belief in him system and in, in himself that I think, you know, is attributed partly to his years in our program. Um, you know, he's not, uh, he's not one of the students who was able to summit the mountain, but, um, 
again, his attitude was so impressive to me and his, uh, his work ethic, um, and his ability to push himself. Um, you know, it's just, I, I was just super impressed by it. You know, um, we spent a lot of hours walking up the mountain together and whispering in his ear, you know, you can do this, you can do this. And, um, when it came time for him to turn around, uh, and say to himself, Hey, maybe I really don't have what it takes, or maybe I'm not in the condition that I, uh, should be to do this type of endeavor, you know, as a 16 uh, year old young man, he was not, uh, he was not selfish in the moment. He was not, uh, um, worried about his, uh, appearance, uh, to the other group or, uh, disappointed to the fact that where he had, you know, some negative, uh, feelings to share with the group. He was all about the group success and just a gentleman about the whole thing. And I think that, uh, you know, those are the types of characters we're trying to promote in our students. And when I see them, uh, face to face in a situation like that, and they rise to the occasion while well, it makes it all worth it for me. Oh, that's cool. You know, it's it's not always about the end, is it? It's it's about the journey. It's not always the destination. It's what we learn along the way. And knowing when to turn around is a very important life lesson. So that's cool. It's cool to hear about kids that, that dig deep and find themselves and perform with such a a quality at a time like that. Right on. Well, Randy, thank you so much for being on our show, and we appreciate you sharing with us City Kids and what you guys are doing. It's a fantastic organization. From everything I see here from talking to you, I'm inspired. I I love what you're doing with these kids from D.C., and have you thought about expanding the program to other cities? You know, uh, I'd love to do that at some point. It's just the right opportunity, you know, the right partner that would come along um, uh, that has the energy and capacity to... uh, to bring it to their city. Uh, certainly city kids would always be uh, happy and willing uh, to be a partner in that and to help with, uh, you know, all the back office stuff that you need to have in place uh, to make sure you're safe and, and running well. Um, uh, so yeah, it's, I'd love to bring it to other cities. Um, I think there's, there's more for us to do as a, as our small group uh, in Washington, there's an endless supply of, uh, of youth uh, that, uh, that aspire to be a part of our program. So, um, you know, we're going to continue focus there and make sure we, we maintain our level of quality and get the out, the outcomes, uh, that we're looking for from our students. But we're certainly open to, uh, to partnering and speaking to and supporting any organizations that, uh, you know, that are, have the ambition to start a city kids like program in their, in their city. Right on. So there you go, friends. This might be, uh, the thing for you if that, kind of tickles your fancy, then go to citykidsdc.org, get in touch with, with Randy, and uh, who knows what will develop. So I would love to see programs like this, Randy, in every city across the United States and around the world. It's it's such a positive thing that you're doing. So thank you for what you're doing for these kids. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, you bet. And for all of our listeners out there, thank you for listening to the Adventure Sports Podcast today. And remember... Get out there and have some fun. It's not just for the fun. It's for the meaningful experiences that you'll have that you'll carry with you for the rest of your lives. You have heard all the hype around paleo, low-carb, organics, diet powders, and the lot. How does one sort out what really works? Good news. Gary Collins has done the homework for you. Regain and maintain your health and live that life of vitality. Learn more at primalpowermethod.com.